0: Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We got a fun, information-packed episode coming to you today, because in the middle of free agency right now, we left Wave 1 free agency with a couple really big-name players, specifically Carl Lawson, Jared Davis, and Corey Davis, but since then, Joe Douglas strikes again, brings in a bunch more guys to the team, we start to get a little bit more vision on how we may attack the draft and everything, so we got a lot of good stuff coming up as football is back. There's a lot of activity and a lot of action going on right now, but this podcast episode is going to focus specifically on free agency and what the Jets have done. That said, we do have to do a little bit of news, some stuff that's happened right now. Pro days are going on, so you're looking at the quarterbacks. If you're a Jets fan, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Probably not even really looking at Trevor Lawrence because no chance that we get him. He's going to the Jaguars. But pro days are going on. You can finally get the measurables for a bunch of players as well. Height, weight, speed. Vertical, whatever other drills they have going on at each individual pro day. I think the numbers are a little bit inflated. You know, guys are getting better 40 times than we're used to seeing, and they're all using different equipment and different timing stuff. It's all unofficial. Take it with a grain of salt, but it is an opportunity to see players since we don't have a combine this year, and you can find a bunch of that stuff on on YouTube if you want to see specific players' pro days. Aside from that, we had a big trade in the NFL. The Dolphins traded from pick number three with the 49ers. 49ers move up to three, they look like they're taking a quarterback, and then the Dolphins who were back at 12 from that trade, they traded with the Eagles, giving the Eagles that 12th pick, moved back up in the draft to the Eagles spot, and it doesn't do a ton to the Jets because we draft second and all that's happening behind us, but what it means is that the Dolphins probably are going to be sticking with Tua, or at least not going with one of these big main quarterbacks. We didn't think that they would after drafting Tua last year, but it was always possible, and the 49ers look like they definitely are drafting a quarterback. So that means that Sam Darnold going to the 49ers is not as likely as it may have been before. That was a place that a lot of people had kind of figured out for where Sam Darnold could be traded. Probably not going to happen now. So a lot of interesting stuff going on there, all sorts of news. And then, aside from that, the NFL has agreed with the NFLPA to go to a 17-game season. So for the first time ever, there are going to be 17 games in a season instead of the usual 16 games. I'm not sure if they're going to add in another bye week or if they're going to just go to an 18-week schedule for 17 games, but at this point what they're doing is they're going to be adding on one more game for each team. That is going to be a team from the opposite conference in the division that you are not currently playing. You know what, the Jets are already slated to play against the NFC South, so Saints, Buccaneers, Falcons, and Panthers, but they are also going to be playing against the Philadelphia Eagles of the NFC East, so very interesting stuff going on there. They are a fourth-place team in their division, as we are a fourth-place team in our division. And, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be heading a 17th game, I think the Eagles are probably one of the ones that you would want to add. So that is the news going on within the NFL right now. Now, before we talk about Wave 2 of free agency, I want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is under the Gang Green Nation podcast series title. This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan, where I have random opinions and in waves I just tweet all sorts of stuff and then I'm kind of quiet on there, but always some activity here and there, especially as stuff is going on with the Jets. since Podcasts right now in the offseason are going to be every other week. We're going to keep with that schedule for now. And uh, if you're looking for thoughts in the meantime, that's where to find them. So, all right, talking about free agency and Joe Douglas's big moves. We start with a quick recap. We go after edge rusher Carl Lawson. That was a need. We get linebacker, versatile guy. Reminds me a little bit too much of Darren Lee with his history and where he's going to be, but he's got some potential. Young guy, Jared Davis, going to be coming in for linebacker. We've got Corey Davis, a wide receiver, signed to a three-year deal. Two of those are basically guaranteed. We added in the middle of last podcast, uh, Justin Hardy, special teams ace from the New Orleans Saints. He signed a multi-year deal. And then we re-signed Josh Adams, big play Vince, and Marcus May signed his franchise tag so that was what was going on in the first wave of free agency. We covered that on last two weeks ago's podcast episode. Since then, we still knew we have some holes going into wave two of free agency and a bunch of money left. The big holes that you're looking at on this team, interior offensive line, that's center or guard depending on where you move McGovern. Quarterback two is we don't have Joe Flacco anymore. We need a running back, a wide receiver four. Right, We have our Denzel Mims, our Corey Davis, and Jamison Crowder, but that fourth guy trying to have somebody more improved than what we had there last year. And tight end is a question mark because, well we do have Ryan Griffin, Trevon Wesco, and Chris Herndon, I think Ryan Griffin could potentially be cut because he saves a few million dollars there. And it's a position that you might want to try to grow as these contracts run out on some of these players. Fullback, because it's pretty important in the Shanahan and LaFleur offense, it looks like. An edge rusher, because he can never have too many edge rushers, and the Jets have been very, very quiet there. Switching to a 4-3 defense is kind of like a new hybrid position where you gotta you gotta have you know an outside linebacker when you're in that base 4-3, and then ends that are a little bit potentially bigger than what you would have had. It changes things up a little bit in this Albrick defense. Outside cornerback, we know we've only got bless Austin and Bryce Hall, so we don't feel really confident. That's both those guys are super young and unproven. And then nickel cornerback, we've only got Javelin Guidry, who was an undrafted guy from last year. We don't feel super confident in him, albeit he played pretty well, but we're still a little nervous. Safety, you go in with Marcus May and Ashton Davis, Matthias Farley, not under contract with the Jets, you got to look for a position there, at least a backup, if not a starter. And then a kicker, because we've had bad kickers for too long now. And personally, I'm just not super excited to get back on board for the Sam Ficken experience. Eh, you know, kind of a position to need. So those are the things that we've got positions in need going into this thing. And how will Joe Douglas, how did Joe Douglas address them through the next second wave of free agency? Before we get to the signings, we are going to do a father time because my dad's got some opinions on some of this stuff, some of the holes that we still have pertaining to what we were just talking about. And, uh, this week my dad had some eye procedure done on some cataracts. So he wasn't able to do a regular father time. That actually happened today. He's all right. Luckily, awesome, good stuff. But, uh, He wasn't able to do a regular Father Time, but we actually, throughout the week, we email, we text long discussions. We talk on the phone, we text, and we do emails, three methods of communication regarding the Jets. And I got a good email from him yesterday or the day before, and I was like, do you mind if we just use this for the Father Time since you're going to be unavailable? He goes, yeah, that's perfectly fine. And so this week's Father Time brought to you by David Burnham, my father, talking about the Jets' free agency needs. And quick disclaimer on the podcast, uh, some stuff going on in the personal life with myself and fiance Shannon caused us to get some new equipment for the podcast moving forward. We actually haven't gotten it all figured out yet. We are like halfway through a transition of equipment, and today's we are using some old microphone we got out of the basement when I tried to have an aspiring rap career that didn't actually work out, believe it or not. Um, but we are trying this stuff out. I think th- this thing is not the type of microphone that we need for a podcast and picks up way too many sounds. Me itching my dry winter skin. Trying to malt for the spring. A bunch of different sounds that we don't need, but we're getting them. So moving forward, we will get that stuff out of there. No worries. That said, this is father time. My dad, David Burnham, writes the following. Corner. Well, it's hard to say what is done for now and what isn't. In my mind, corner is the most glaring hole in the team without question. I expect a signing. The big question is, is Javelin Gidry a slar- starting slot corner? I believe his PFF grade was a 72 and Poole was a 76, if my memory serves correct. Do we run with Javelin being close and Javelin Guidry having more room for improvement? The word is that Sala's system is very friendly to corners. Now, Albrick is running the D, but they must see eye-to-eye on most of this stuff. Interior offensive line. I also want a guard. I'm not weighing Clark in on this because I've never seen him play, and there's no information on his talent as a pro. That said, is Feeney any good? He played on the worst offensive line in the league last year. I expect him to stink. If Elijah Vera Tucker is available at pick 23, I think we take him unless one of the top cornerbacks is available, Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, and we know they're going to be gone. I expect that our line will be about 22 to 25th with no upgrades. Elijah Vera Tucker would change everything up front, bring us to about an average team by midseason. There are also some really good offensive tackles this year that could be good plugins for Fant next year. What if Rayshon Slater or Christian Derrissau slipped to us? I could see them getting chosen at pick 23. Available corners that we know of right now, Steven Nelson, Richard Sherman, Brian Poole, and some others. Nelson's a good corner, and I'd like to bring Brian Poole back if possible. I see a quarterback at 2. Elijah Tucker, hopefully at pick 23, and the best corner available that fits at 34. Barring trades of any kind, of course. If Elijah Tucker is gone at 23, that's going to be an interesting pick. It's a possible spot for a person like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. And how about Elijah Moore at the top of the third? Many will stay away due to his size. And I expect Joe Douglas to frustrate the hell out of us multiple times throughout the draft. As always, go Jets. Whoa-dado. So that was not written for father time, as I mentioned. That was written just as a random email that I got sent from my dad for thoughts that he had going on. But it fits well. It touches a little bit more on the draft than we're going to in this episode, but those are all guys that we're going to talk about in next week's podcast and moving up towards the draft. But I'm totally with him on those needs. Cornerback is the biggest need on defense, interior offensive line, the biggest need on offense. The Jets haven't made many big moves there. They did bring in one guy that he mentioned, Feeney, that we're going to talk about soon um, for the offensive line. But as he mentions, the guy may stink. Cornerback, big glaring hole. We got Javelin Guidry. He's a whole bunch of young guys. A whole bunch of young puppies, Blashawn Austin, Bryce Hall, and Javelin Guidry, with Lamar Jackson, another undrafted free agent, as maybe your fourth guy? That's your wrecking crew? Now, I hope he's right, and I have heard the same thing, that this defense is very, very easy on cornerbacks. It's easy to play in this system. Also, you know, in part because the pass rush is so important and it makes it difficult on quarterbacks, that makes it easier on the cornerbacks. But still, the Jets have some needs, some stuff to do. The question is, how do we address these needs? And what signings has Joe Douglas made so far? Before we get to the signings, we do have to take a quick commercial break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as job. simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The, the show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. righty, folks. Welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are going to start talking about the signings that Joe Douglas has made in wave two of free agency, leaving out. Lawson, Davis, Davis, Hardy, Adams, Big Play Vince, and May, the guys that we already signed earlier, starting with, on offense, running back, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman signed a one-year deal worth up to $2 million coming over from the 49ers, part of that Robert Sala and Michael Floor system from last year. He was a third-round draft pick from the Falcons coming out of Indiana back a few years ago, a little more than that, actually. He's going to be 28 this season when he plays. But he was basically a backup to Devonta Freeman, Back with the Falcons when Devonta Freeman was really good and we always watched Devin Coleman get carries and it was like, wow, this guy's pretty explosive. If he gets a bigger role in an offense, he could be you know, a really good player or he might just be that perfect number two change of pace type running back because he receives well, he's quick, he's shifty. He moved over to the 49ers offense and he had a bunch of injuries. Unfortunately, for the last two years while he was there, he's been injured with foot injuries, ankle injuries. It slowed him down. It's been a crowded backfield with a bunch of guys over there. But we did see when he touched the field, he had some really impactful games. He absolutely dominated the Carolina Panthers one game. And like I said, this is a player that can catch, he can block, he's fast. He ran a 4.39 3 in his pro day back in college. So, you know, that number isn't accurate to this point, but that just goes to show how fast he was. He's that type of back. But when it comes down to it, running back was a need for this Jets team because we had LaMichael Pirine and Josh Adams just re-signed, may or may not make the team. Ty Johnson probably going to make the team you would think, this brings in another guy. I don't think the position group is set. I don't think that between Ty Johnson, Pirine, and Tevin Coleman, you've got a good enough running back room to rock and roll. I still think it's a position that we could sign in free agency or definitely draft. But Tevin Coleman is a nice piece to bring in. He reminds me of kind of a, you know, Bilal Powell type of guy with a little bit more speed, maybe a little bit more juice. But Bilal Powell was super reliable. The problem is with Tevin Coleman, which version of him are we going to get? And if he's aging... Maybe he's just a good veteran to have there in that locker room. Maybe if he doesn't play well, he doesn't even end up making the team. It's still possible. But Tevin Coleman, a nice depth signing for the Jets at a position that they needed. Another offensive position. Wide receiver Keelan Cole, signed by the Jets to a one-year, $5.5 million deal from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a very good signing, in my opinion, because wide receiver four was an absolute position of need for us. We were playing guys like Jeff Smith, We were playing guys like big play Vincent Smith. We were playing Josh Malone. A bunch of random dudes throughout the year that were just being thrown in there because we didn't have good depth to wide receiver position. And this has been the case for the Jets for so much of my lifetime, watching guys like Greg Salas and Chaz Shillins and whoever you can think of just getting thrown in there because we don't have enough receivers and not good enough receivers. But when you bring in a guy like Keelan Cole on, again, another one-year deal, one year, $5.5 million, bring him in there, give you a little bit more continuity and just in case somebody does go down, you actually you're putting in a nice player. Now Keelan Cole, he's going to be 28 this season. He's played 4 years in the league with the Jaguars. He's never missed a game. He's only started 23 because there's always been guys ahead of him on the depth chart, but he's started every single game or he's I mean he's played in every single game, never been injured. That's great. This is an undrafted guy from Kentucky Wesleyan who fought his way onto the field found a way to get noticed by the Jaguars, had a really strong rookie season as an undrafted guy, posted 42 catches, 748 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a great rookie season, especially for an undrafted guy. Now, he slowed down a little bit after that, not getting as much playing time, but we know that Jaguars offense is brutal. You're talking about Blake Bortles, talking about Jake Luton, Gardner Minshew. None of these guys are friendly to a wide receiver's stat sheet. So when you're looking at the stats, here, like, it's not quite all there. But Keelan Cole, not the fastest guy in the world, not the biggest, strongest, but he reminds me of like a Jericho Cottry type of just a reliable receiver, maybe not as tough, not as gritty as Cottry, but a guy that you can rely on to just, you know, he can be quick when he needs to be. He can be big when he needs to be. He can do a lot of different things, and that's kind of what you want that wide receiver for because you don't know who's going to go down and who he's going to be playing for. Now, last year he had 55 receptions, good number, 642 yards, five touchdowns. It's a pretty good season. And on top of that, the guy has nine career kick returns, so don't rule it out that he could potentially kick return if we get into another situation where we don't know who to have back there. You know, we end up signing a guy like Corey Ballantyne to kick return because we don't have one. So that's a nice signing for the Jets, a guy that, again, a one-year deal from Joe Douglas. It's not a long-term commitment. He may not be here in two years, but for this year, we can be a little bit more comfortable, rest assured, knowing that a guy that's played every single game in a four-year career it's going to be available to us in case anybody goes down. The next position on offense the Jets went after, tight end Tyler Croft, a one-year deal, again, from the Buffalo Bills. Tyler Croft is going to be 29 this year. He's a six-foot-six, 252-pound tight end. He was a third-round draft pick in 2015 from Rutgers. He was drafted by Cincinnati. We saw him play there for a few years behind Tyler Eifert, and then he ended up getting moved over to Buffalo Bills. Now, he had four in Cincinnati, two in Buffalo. His best season by far, 2017, was Cincinnati. 42 catches, 404 yards, seven touchdowns. That's a really nice season. He never got close again. He's been injured for the last three years. Since going to Buffalo, he really hasn't put together a healthy season. Another guy that hopefully will be able to get boosted by the Jets' new medical training staff. But at the end of the day, this guy is known for being a well-above-average blocking tight end. You know, maybe a guy like Eric Tomlinson but a little bit better in the passing game, as long as he can stay healthy. A little bit more injury worry there, but a veteran that can come in at a tough position, an offense that relies on tight ends heavily, especially to help block, because, you know, with this offense, you expect a wide zone scheme where the running backs are going to split the ball out wide more often than usual. Gone are the days of just running up the one and two hole over and over and over again. We're going to be stretching it, going outside, going through different holes, but that means that wide receivers have to block, tight ends have to block, and obviously the offensive line has to block well in this different type of scheme, Tyler Croft is going to be, hopefully, an important member of that. Chris Herndon is a good blocking tight end. Ryan Griffin is not a very good blocking tight end. Tyler Croft is a very good blocking tight end. If he can get healthy, be a veteran, be a presence, he may be a useful asset to the Jets, and should they feel like moving on from a Trevon Wesco or Ryan Griffin to stick with him, it may be a better skill set for the offense they're going to run. So I don't hate the Tyler Croft signing. I hope he can get back to what he was. hope he can stay healthy and have an impact with this team. Then the last offensive position that the Jets went after, Dan Feeney. My dad mentioned him in the father time. Not a glowing recommendation from Dave, but he came over from the Chargers. He's only going to be 26 years old this year, and he was a third-round pick in 2017, also from Indiana, like Tevin Coleman. Now, this guy, he plays both center and guard, which is great. And he started nine games as a rookie right away after getting drafted third round. He was starting nine games. He started every single game since then for the past three years. So another guy that is always healthy, just like Keelan Cole. This guy's always on the field. The problem is last year his PFF grade was 48. He's one of the worst pass blockers in the league. He's not very good. And can that be coached out? Can he be better in a system like this? Absolutely. It is very possible that this wide zone scheme for the offensive line is going to be better for Dan Feeney's skill set. He... Played with the Chargers for a long time. They felt him worthy of starting on a pretty bad offensive line. But he was always healthy. He's a guy that you could rely on. And I don't think that you want to have him in there as your starter. I definitely don't think that. Not from what we've seen on tape from him with the Chargers. But when you're replacing a guy like Josh Andrews or a guy like maybe Alex Lewis or somebody down the depth chart, it's not a position that needs to be absolutely elite. It needs to be versatile. It needs to be available. And it needs to be coachable. A 26-year-old guy drafted that high, First still within two positions, played that that many games, that healthy, that much experience. I mean, he's played more games than a bunch of guys in our offensive line. Started, right? So it's the kind of thing that... You know, he's started more games than a lot of guys in the league. So he's got some experience there at only 26. He also has a hilarious mullet and a mustache. So kind of a guy to root for in that sense. That is Dan Feeney. He's not going to change everything. There's no scenario where Dan Feeney comes in, lights it up, and is one of the best guards in the league. But we know how important backup offensive linemen are and versatility. We know how Joe Douglas thinks it's really important, and I think that we did upgrade from a guy like Josh Anders that we had last year. He would be an improvement over him. So that is Dan Feeney. So just to recap the offensive signings the Jets have made in Wave 2 of free agency, Running back, Tevin Coleman, wide receiver, Keelan Cole, tight end, Tyler Croft, and interior offensive lineman, hybrid guard and center, Dan Feeney. So looking at the the holes that we had open, on offense, we started with interior offensive line, QB2, running back, wide receiver, four, tight end, and fullback. We just signed every single one of those except for QB2 and fullback. Now, fullback isn't necessary because there are not that many good uh, fullbacks in the league, and they kind of were transitioning Trevon Wesco to be a fullback for the Jets. He was a tight end that was drafted a couple of years ago. It's possible that he could take that role, or maybe we find another guy in free agency or in the draft. A lot of people think we're going to find that quarterback in the draft. So potentially, the offensive line is moving in a great direction. You just probably want to see interior offensive line addressed again, because Dan Feeney competing with Alex Lewis to be the starting left guard, with Greg Van Roten on the other side, it is not the flashiest, not the hottest, coolest guard pairing you could have. Jets need to have a strong offensive line if they're going to have Sam Darnold or a rookie quarterback. We're going to start pounding the ball, running it well, getting the quarterback some time, having a fun offense and a good team. It's going to require a good offensive line, good players. We're going to have to improve that. But it's a good start for Joe Douglas. And if you noticed, Tevin Coleman, Keelan Cole, Tyler Croft, Dan Feedy, every single one, a one-year deal. So what does that mean to me? That means that he plugged the holes that we had. We identified those holes for 2021. Those holes are not absolutely handled but they're more comfortable than they were in last podcast. But moving forward, the Jets still have to address these positions. There is no reason to believe that Tevin Coleman, Keelan Cole, Tyler Croft, or Dan Feeney will be here in 2022. Joe Douglas is not one to bring back a lot of players that he signs to a one-year contract. He signed a ton of one-year contracts last year and extended almost none of them. He gave another one-year deal to a Josh Adams. He gave another one-year deal to a big play Vince. The franchise-tagged one-year deal for Marcus May, but he didn't bring back a ton of the guys that we had signed on one-year deals before. So there's no reason to believe these guys are coming back. Those are all still holes for the draft, even though right now you look and you're like, okay, wide receiver's done. Now we can look at X. I still think that you have to look at these positions. Anybody on a one-year deal cannot be counted on, and Joe Douglas is looking deeper than just 2021 and what holes he has to fill for that. He's not going to draft on need. He's going to draft on ability. And one of the ways to dominate the drafts, dominate the board, and have a good haul is flexibility. With all these one-year deals, he's got the opportunity to fill basically any hole for 2022. So that is our offensive, guys. So we are going to talk about a couple defensive signings that Joe Douglas has made. But before that, we have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's on Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's on Tap. And today, I am drinking something cool because it was a gift from roommate Kyle... He got me a special beer for this podcast, said this one is for the podcast. You are going to love it. And it is called The Honeyed One by High Hops Brewery. It's a red ale. I don't drink a lot of red ales, but this can is ridiculous. It's got a large-breasted woman bathing in the sun, a no-bra, just a wide-open shirt, and uh, minimal clothing on her. She's enjoying the day. She's drinking one of these beers. But it's got a picture of a bunch of different hobbies that people like that are all outdoorsy types of things. It's got a picture of, uh, and a word underneath it for camping, climbing, hiking, friends, disc golf, tree houses, and fishing. And these are all things, every single one of them that I like, except for hiking. I like everything else on there. And you can tell that they are definitely going after a certain demographic type of person, kind of like an outdoor hippie type of person or a woodsman. But what's strange about this thing, looking at it right now, It's 7.1% alcohol for a red ale that tastes, it tastes like an ale, really sweet, with honey infused. It's super smooth, but I swear to God, if you drank this thing right now, you'd think 4.5, maybe 5% alcohol in this? It's only a 12-ounce can, and it's brewed in its high hops. Where is it located? Where is it located? Uh, Colorado. So that's why it kind of caters to that climbing, outdoor, disc golf, treehouse, fishing crowd, but, uh, we get into a lot of that here in Connecticut as well, but yeah, this is a fun beer, 7.1% is a lot more than I thought I was getting into when I opened a red ale, but it tastes like honey, it's a little sweet for my liking, but it is wicked smooth, and I don't mind a red ale, you know, it's nice to mix it up. It is, again, the honeyed one, by High Hops Brewery from Colorado, that is a cool gift, From roommate Kyle, very cool. Appreciate that. And we will see how it treats us for the rest of the podcast. We still have a lot of work to do, and this thing is going to be accompanying us for the rest of the ride. Very cool. Again, thank you, Kyle. And let's keep rocking. But first, we got to do a commercial. All righty, welcome back to This is the Jet Life, where we're going to talk about the defensive signings that Joe Douglas made in Wave 2 of Free Agency 2021. And it starts on the defensive line. Another guy to get after the quarterback, one defensive end, Vinny Curry. Coming from the Eagles, a $1.3 million deal for one year, up to $1.3. It's got some sack incentives, got some playing time incentives. But this guy was a second-round pick in 2012. He has been a very active, very successful and impactful player for the Eagles for many, many years. He had a very small stint in Tampa Bay, went back to the Eagles, but this guy, although his sack numbers aren't huge, he's only got like 32 sacks in his career, he's got 92 quarterback hits. And if you look at the numbers in terms of like pressures, knockdowns, QB hits, they are way higher than the sack numbers that he has. He's a specialist at getting after the pass. We're not always bringing him down. This is something that we talked about with Carl Lawson, someone that gets after the quarterback a ton, tons of QB hits, one of the best rates in the league, only behind T.J. Watt. Vinny Curry's right up there also, getting after the quarterback. On the snaps that he played, minimal snaps, He gets after the quarterback. Now, Vinny Curry, in all these years, he's played for 123 games. He's only started 28 of those games. He is not a lifelong starter. He's not been one of the guys that the Eagles rely on to be their, you know, their anchor on the defensive line. But he's been there, and he's been a rotational player and a piece that comes in and gets production for many, many years. That's why a guy that was drafted in 2012 is still getting a contract for, you know, over a million dollars this year. He only had three six. Three sacks last year, but he did have 10 quarterback hits. So there's a plan in place here. We know there's going to be a rotation, especially on the bookends of that defensive line. you got guys like John Franklin Myers that can play there. Nathan Shepard technically can play there. Kyle Phillips, Bryce Huff. You've got Carl Lawson. Now you bring in Vinny Curry, an established veteran, but another guy who's really good at getting pressure on the quarterback, even if there aren't sacks. My dad was talking about last week how there could be a Joe Klecko-Mark Gassner effect push up the middle, and a guy coming around the outside for a sack. Quinnen Williams up the middle, Foley Fadikasi up the middle, Carl Lawson coming around the outside. Now you're bringing in Vinnie Curry, who also specializes in getting around the outside. You know, he may not get the sack, but when you get there and you pressure the quarterback, you flush him out. Now what happens when there's a guy coming up the middle pushing through? A guy like Quinnen Williams, it's hard to block. What happens when Carl Lawson is also coming in and trying to flush you to a different location? And from the opposite side, Vinnie Curry is doing the exact same thing. This is the type of stuff that makes nightmares. This forces turnovers. This makes it very difficult on an offense and very easy on the rest of the defense. And I think this is the angle that Joe Douglas is going after. I really like the move. I like the pickup. I know he's a one-year deal for a guy that's going to be 33 years old this year. But you're talking about a guy that you can feel good going to war with, that you know is going to play spot here and there, 20 snaps here, 30 snaps there. But he's going to get some production. And that is what I'm looking forward to. The next big move that Joe Douglas made on defense was defensive lineman Sheldon Rankins, which goes right hand-in-hand hand with that Vinnie Curry signing. Sheldon Rankins was, for a season or two, an absolutely dominant interior defensive lineman with a ton of versatility that fits right into that Robert Solid defensive style of getting after the quarterback. A guy that can work next to Quinn and Williams, Boley Fatakassi, and just move within that line and wreak havoc on the quarterback. The Jets signed him to a two-year deal worth up to $17 million, but when you look at it, it's effectively a one-year, $5.5 million deal with a bunch of incentives built into it, and a lot of it's based off of performance and availability. Availability is key for him because he's been injured for the past two years. He has, like, a deformity issue in his leg that has caused him to have Achilles injuries twice, taking him out of basically two seasons, and Sheldon Rankins is an absolute beast when he plays, but has been injured. He's not quite the level of Quinton Williams, in my opinion, on the field, but he was drafted in 2016, 12th overall by New Orleans for a reason. 12th overall, first-round pick. This guy, and he lived up to it for a while, just before the injuries. I mean, this guy was really, really good for a good defense in New Orleans. He comes from Louisville, so he joins Makai Becton, who last year was drafted from uh, Louisville. A bunch of other guys in Jets history have been drafted from there. But... This guy is another versatile piece. He lines up best in the middle. He has played 4-3 tackle plenty of times, but he's also played 3-4 nose. He's even moved outside. He's fast. He's strong. He's aggressive. But he's one of those guys, like and that pushes from up the middle. If you can give Quinn and Williams some rest, you can move in Foley, Fatakasi and Sheldon Rankins and always have these guys rip-roaring and ready to go. Tons of energy just blasting into an offensive line. This Jets defense is going to be very, very strong. And when you look at it, some people think to themselves, why are we going after Carl Lawson and Vinny Curry and Sheldon Rankins and just going after one position group? We knew going into this whole thing that Robert Sala prioritized the defensive line in a 4-3. You see how many guys they have over there. Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Kerry Hyder. So many guys have played for that defensive line in San Francisco, and it's never been an issue. It didn't keep them from wanting to sign a guy like D. Ford because they had so many guys on the line already. He wants to make that group very strong. But it's not about, when I look at it, I don't think he wants to have, you know, a top 10 defensive line and have it be like, oh, that's one of our strengths. He wants it to be dominant. He wants to have a Quinn and Williams pushing from up front with one of the best edge rushers from outside, Carl Lawson, with a veteran guy who can do it in Vinnie Curry and spot starts, and then Sheldon Rankins, if he's healthy, being dominant next to Quinn, and then mixing in guys like Kyle Phillips, JFM, Foley Faticasi. I mean, you're talking about real depth here. You're talking about a real nightmare for offenses. This is what's going to fuel the entire defense. And if the Jets defense is successful in 2021, it's going to be because of the defensive line. It's not going to be because of the linebackers, the corners, the safeties. It is going to be because of this defensive line. Now, Rankins is the guy that's been injured, but we know he's versatile. We know he can be great, and we know his contract is very team-friendly. If he doesn't play, he doesn't get paid. It can be a two-year deal worth up to $17 million if he earns it, and he could. But it also could be a one-year $5.5 million deal. So again, another one-year deal from Joe Douglas. Another guy plugged into that defensive line for Robert Sala. Great signing. This guy is, he's got big boom potential for this defense. Then the last big signing that Joe Douglas has made in the Wave 2 of free agency, as safety, LaMarcus Joyner. Believe it or not, it was another one-year deal. Up to $4.5 million coming from the Las Vegas Raiders. He was a second-round pick from Florida State University by the Rams. He's going to be 31 this season, so definitely an aging veteran. He played five years with the Rams, two with the Raiders, and now he's coming over to play with the Jets. Now, he played his first couple years with the Rams at nickel cornerback. Wasn't great. Moved over to safety for two years. Was awesome. I have memories of him being a very, very good safety for the Rams back when he played safety there for those two years. He was a free agent. I wanted the Jets to sign him. This was two years ago. I think in the podcast I was lobbying for the Jets to get LaMarcus Joyner. He ended up signing with the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. But he ended up playing nickel cornerback for them, the position that he had played originally and not been great at with the Rams. Now, he didn't play great, honestly, for the last two years with the Raiders, but he was playing out of position for where he should be. His real skill set where he's been the most efficient and effective in the NFL is at safety. The Jets are bringing him back to play safety. He's going to be next to Ashton Davis. He's going to be next to Marcus May. He's going to be moving in. And another piece that we have there. We knew that safety was one of the needs. We do have Ashton Davis. We do have Marcus May. So technically you do have two starters if you want to go with those two guys. But you need some depth. You need to replace a guy like Matthias Farley, a guy like Rontez Miles, Terrence Brooks. Your third safety plays. And whether you want that third safety to be Ashton Davis, or you want that third safety to be LaMarcus Joyner, you do have some flexibility and some versatility there. This guy's a veteran. He's going to be 31 years old, as I mentioned, this year. And I like the guy. He's a little undersized, but he's explosive. He's scrappy. He can play press. He's got blitz ability, and he's got pretty good cover skills. The guy's versatile. He's professional. He's a team player. He's been good in his career, and he can do a little bit of everything. More flexible, versatile pieces. If you look at the Jets and the way they're built, I think it's it's pretty clear. They're built through the trenches. They're built on leadership qualities and you know personality traits, and they're built on versatility and flexibility. Trenches, good guys, versatile. Do those things, Joe Douglas is probably going to want to sign you. So, Lamarcus Joyner to me, a great signing. Again, a one year deal. As you look through this, this wave of free agency, I think we had eight new free agent signings in wave two. Every single one of them, a one year deal. Every single one can still be addressed in the draft. You can still go after a safety because you don't expect Lamarcus Joyner to be back. And you've got Marcus Mann, a one year franchise tag deal you're not guaranteed that he's back. You also don't know if Ashton Davis is a starting safety in the NFL, especially not in this defense. So there is a scenario where you have zero safeties going into next season. Even though right now you've got May, Ashton Davis, and LaMarcus Joyner, you may not be comfortable with what you've got there. So you still can look at all of these positions, no matter what they are in the draft. I think people would be really pissed off if they went with a defensive lineman, especially anywhere early, unless it was a true edge guy. But... You get the point. The only position that I think is safe in this draft is punter. Braden Mann was drafted last year. They ain't going to bring in another one. It's his job. Everybody else, it's possible you get replaced. So then Joe Douglas brings back Jeff Smith, gives him another deal. He's going to be a training camp guy. If people get injured, Jeff Smith played with us last year. He was a little banged up. He's healthy now. He wasn't great. He did shine in some games. He looked like there were a couple games when the just had their fringe deep backup wide receivers playing, and Jeff Smith at the time stood out as like, oh wow, this guy's faster and a little bit better than everybody else on the field it looks like. But after that, he kind of slowed down, didn't have a great season. The guy is going to be a flyer. He's going to come back to camp. He's going to have an opportunity to play with some of the quarterbacks that he played with. Captain Morgan, I'm sure he knows pretty well. Sam Darnold if he's still here. And... Depending on injuries and whatnot, he's a guy that you bring in. Remember, as these people get signed, the back-end guys, you know, those Josh Adams, those big play Vince, those Jeff Smiths, you see them get signed, the Jets are going to bring in 90 men for training camp, whatever the number is for this year. They're going to bring in, like, around 90 players to play. All those people are playing on contracts. It's just not all guaranteed money. Then before the season starts, you have to cut your roster down to 53. You build your practice squad, and that is when the money gets, you know, more guaranteed. There's timelines for each contract, and they're very complicated and whatnot, but just because a guy signs does not mean that they play for the Jets or get paid by the Jets much more than a small signing bonus here and there. So Jeff Smith, another guy that we're going to see in training camp, and potentially if he pops, he could take the spot of a guy like Braxton Barrios or big play Vincent Smith if he plays well enough or if guys get injured. Hopefully that doesn't happen. So as we've seen the Jets sign people, we've seen a bunch of guys added to offense. We've seen three guys added to defense. We're feeling a lot better about how the team is being built and Joe Douglas's vision, a bunch of our guys that we had, we mentioned those one-year deals that Joe Douglas gave out and people that maybe just had expiring contracts anyway, a lot of them aren't re-signing with the Jets, people that we originally thought were in-house guys that we would bring back. And it's time to say goodbye to some people who have been good Jets over the years. Jordan Jenkins, a third-round draft pick from Georgia that we loved signed to Houston. Probably currently with what's going on with their ownership and their front office, my least favorite team in the league right now, but he's going to have an opportunity to play over there. Terrell Basham is going to America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to be on the spotlight a little bit more than he was probably with the Jets in his years here. But Terrell Basham was a good player for the Jets, and he helped us win games. I think he basically sealed the deal in that Cleveland Browns game last year when we won. I mean, Terrell Basham had some moments. No, he was not the most consistent player in the world. No, he was not an every-down starter. But he was a guy that I would have been happy bringing back as well. It didn't get done. We bring in guys like Vinnie Curry, Sheldon Rankins, Carl Lawson instead. Terrell Basham moves on to Dallas, so so long, Terrell. Thank you for your time. Frankie Louvu, a young guy, a young buck, one of the youngest players on the team, big afro, big family guy, just scrapping, fighting, trying to get minutes on the field. What he does, played pretty well, got some quarterback hits. You always wondered if he would develop and get better. He's going to Carolina. I wish him the best. Always an easy player to root for, and uh, we love you, Louvu. Joe Flacco's going to the Eagles. We didn't really care much about Joe Flacco because he's kind of like a nomad who just does his own thing, keeps his head down, focuses on him. He wants to be a quarterback if he can. I guess he'll probably help people, you know, begrudgingly at this point in his career because he's probably not going to be a starter again. He did have a couple nice throws to Brashad Perriman when this team's offense was just abysmal and Adam Gase couldn't get anything going. Sam Darnold misses a couple games. Joe Flacco comes in, throws a couple bombers to, to Perriman, and it was like, all right, those are pretty exciting. He also led a couple real duds. For those people that want to say that Joe Flacco played better than Sam Darnold, go watch the Miami game and tell me how well he played. He scored zero points and had one of the worst offensive showings I've ever seen. Henry Anderson. Goose. He's going to the arch nemesis, New England Patriots. This is a guy that we signed to a big contract. I think it was like three-year, $27 million, after he had a good season for us. He has slowly declined. Actually, rapidly declined. Last year, he was nowhere to be seen. And now he's going to sign with the enemy. So whatever, Henry Anderson. It was cool. That one year was pretty awesome. You had some nice block kicks, block punts here and there. But, uh, yeah, enjoy New England. Rashad Perriman, a one-year flyer. The guy that replaced Robbie Anderson comes in with basically a similar contract. And it was like, we probably should have gone with Robbie. But Rashad Perriman moves on to Detroit to go play in what is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL by far this year. Good luck to him. He was a model of inconsistency. We knew it going in. We knew that he was going to be inconsistent, and he certainly was. But like Joe Flacco, he had a couple big plays throughout the year. And, you know, he wasn't the worst wide receiver the Jets have had. They were definitely a better team and better offense when he was on the field than when he was out and being replaced by a Jeff Smith or Josh Malone or big play Vince. Way better with Prashad Perriman. But we got Corey Davis now, so good luck, Prashad. Thank you for your season. Pat Elfline's going to Carolina. He's a guy that came over from the Vikings and – replaced Alex Lewis pretty quickly, and I think a guy that we weren't enjoying at left guard in Alex Lewis, when he left and Elfline stepped onto the field, and it was like, hey, I think this guy's just as good or better. I think that was a nice little uh, treat for Jets fans. Refreshing to see somebody else play there, and probably play even better. But he's going to Carolina, and the Jets have their new swing offensive lineman to take that sort of role in Dan Feeney. Josh Andrews going to Atlanta. He was horrible. Worst player on the Jets. He should be gone. Matthias Farley, Today, just signed with the Tennessee Titans. He was a special teams captain for us. But as we saw Justin Hardy get signed, a kind of younger version of Matthias Farley with maybe a little bit more juice, a little bit more cornerback play, and maybe a better special teamer. It was good to have Matthias Farley. He was a captain for this defense, or special teams. He was a captain for Brant Boyer's unit. But his time with the Jets is up. I wish you well, Tennessee. So those are the guys. Jordan Jenkins, Terrell Basham, Frankie Louvu, Joe Flacco, Henry Anderson, Rashad Perriman, Pat Elfline, Josh Andrews, and Matthias Farley are all now moving on to other teams. There are still many unsigned Jets who haven't signed with the Jets and have not signed with any other teams yet. And those guys include, in order of importance, kind of, Neville Hewitt, Brian Poole, Harvey Lange, Arthur Mallette, Frank Gore, Bradley McDougald, Patrick Unwassoor, Daniel Brown, Bryce Hager, Ross Travis, Kyron Brown and Bennett Jackson. So guys like Patrick and who never played, Daniel Brown, Hager, Travis, Kyron Brown, and Bennett Jackson, forget all of them. Bradley McDougald, he was part of that Jamal Adams trade, and we thought that when we got him, he was going to be like, you know, the Jets didn't even take that many steps back, and Bradley McDougald, this guy's a really good player for safety. And then he played safety pretty horribly, and then he got injured, and we won't miss him, but he probably will get a job somewhere in the league because he's not that, that bad. When you look at, like, backup safeties within the league that are getting jobs. He's probably at those levels. Not as good as LaMarcus Joyner. Ours is better. Frank Gore wants to play again. Crazy. He wants to keep boosting those numbers. I don't want him on the Jets, but I don't mind watching him really on any other team. I'm not afraid of him. I root for him. I like the guy. I think he wants to potentially play until his son's in the league. Maybe they'll be on the same team. That would be nuts. But at this point, like with Frank Gore's career and how many times he's been hit, I just want the guy to live a healthy life when he's done with football. Arthur Mollett. Arthur Mollett is, uh, you know, he played some good minutes on special teams. He was forced. We had, like, some real, I think we're going to have it again, real mess at the cornerback position where we're playing, like, Joe, Schmo, and anybody. Arthur Mollett, at times, played pretty good slot cornerback he wasn't great, he wasn't consistent, and he's probably not going to get another contract with the Jets. Probably will not be starting anywhere in the, anywhere in the near future, but, uh, you know, you wish him well. Harvey Lang, he got a lot of minutes for the Jets, made some plays. A couple games he was, like, really noticeable. I think he got player of the game once or twice for us, and a couple times you didn't even notice him. So he was all over the place. Brian Poole, for a team that's only got Javelin Gidry. he's a guy that you would still want to re-sign if you can. I'm wondering if Joe Douglas is wondering, like, if there's a guy that he could get at the nickel position in the draft, a guy like a guy like Elijah Molden or another slot cornerback-style player that he could go after and not have Brian Poole. But when you look at Javelin Guidry and nobody behind him for slot corner, like, you're not going to get better than Brian Poole. This guy's been really good for the Jets. A good profile focus grade, he passes the eye test, and other than the injury, he's been on the field and been one of our best defensive contributors for the last couple of years. He got kind of screwed with a one-year cheap prove-it deal from the Jets last year. Then got injured, which didn't help his cause this year. So I hope he ends up with a decent contract. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him back here in green and white. And then the last one, Neville Hewitt, who was like one of the most reliable, most consistent players the Jets had. He's one of the best tacklers I've ever seen. Always wraps up, gets the guy. He was one of the league leaders in tackles. He played in every single game. He's not flashy, but he does his job, and he's always on the field. You talk about like how we appreciate a guy like Dan Feeney because he plays in every game, but he's still not very good, but he's versatile. Like Neville Hewitt plays in every single game, and he's actually pretty good. This is a real player. Neville Hewitt will be playing on a team, getting impactful minutes somewhere. I think that there's a room where he could be here with the Jets. I know the defensive scheme is changing. It's going to be more of a 4-3, so the linebackers are going to be asked to do a little bit more because you're going to have four down linemen going after the quarterback on most plays. Of course, the Jets run a nickel a ton, so that 4-3 is like, you know, it's not what it used to be. doesn't mean what it used to mean. But when you look at the middle linebacker position, C.J. Mosley, we don't know what we're getting from him. Blake Cashman, never really healthy. You're bringing Jared Davis, who's a flyer guy. You're not entirely sure what you're going to get there. It's like, you know, Neville Hewitt, he's probably somewhat cheap. He might want to come back to this team. And I'm sure there's an opportunity for Robert Sala to use him in the defense. He's a guy that I would want to bring back. But, you know, again, might be a position he's targeting in the draft. Maybe Hewitt's asking for too much money. I don't know. But those are the players that are still unsigned that were Jets last year. So that really is our big Wave 2 free agency recap. At this point, the Jets have made most of the moves that they're going to make in free agency. They added some core guys. That's going to be Corey Davis and Carl Lawson. Those are the core guys. They also added one core special teamer in Justin Hardy. They were able to keep their best player from defense other than Quinton Williams last year and Marcus May on a one-year franchise tag. After that, it was Jared Davis, a couple low-end Jets 2020 re-signs, and then a ton of one-year contracts. A bunch of young guys and a couple veterans mixed in. But The Jets are going to be focusing on the draft to fill these positions and to move forward. But we don't have as bad a team as we had in 2020. We know we've got much better coaching. We had a good draft from Joe Douglas in his first year. We expect we're gonna have another good draft from Joe Douglas in his second year. This team is taking steps in the right direction. We don't know who's gonna be quarterback. There's still a bunch of question marks. We really don't know what they're gonna do in the draft at this point. We assume quarterback at two, but this is one of like the lowest gauges I've had on a Jets draft in a very long time. Because we've had a lot of picks, a lot of holes. We don't know Joe Douglas's tendencies well enough. And we've got so many players on one-year contracts that, like, you've got 50 players signed right now. But the second next year begins, and we hit March 15th of 2022, we're going to have, like, 20 players under contract again. He's going to have a bunch more work to do, so why not fill those now? It leaves a lot of room for flexibility, and I think that's why Joe Douglas will probably be successful in this draft. But, uh, yeah, it's it's an exciting time. We're not on pace to be a playoff team most likely, even though there's you know, one more team in the wild card room in the AFC. There's seven teams that make the playoffs now, so a little bit better chance of making it than we used to have. But at the end of the day, the Jets right now are looking to make good, solid steps forward and build a young core nucleus of players and then fill in the rest of the gaps with big free agent signings once they have a good enough core there. You don't get the free agent signings first. You get the young players first. And they're working on that right now. Now, moving forward, the next next Jets podcast is going to be in two weeks, and I believe that date is going to be the 13th of April. We're going to be back here prepping the draft. The next, pod, the next podcast after that is going to be the 27th, and that will be two days before the NFL draft begins. So we've got two weeks to talk about the positions the Jets need to go after still, the players that could potentially fit those things, and any other news and rumors that have gone on throughout the league in that time. So there's a lot of good stuff to go on. The Jets will still probably make a couple more free agent signings. Maybe not now. Could be later on. Could be after the draft or in training camps and whatnot. And we've seen Joe Douglas deal like sixth, seventh round picks for players like Demarius Thomas, Alex Lewis, or late-end guys. So we don't be you know, surprised if he does something like that. But at the end of the day, there's a lot happening. It's going to happen really quick. we got a lot of good podcasts coming up. Tune in next week for a little bit of draft preview. I have been spending, you know, Every other night, like a couple hours, just watching tape and film and highlights and reading up on these players in the draft, just trying to get a feel for who's going to be available, what kind of players might fit the Jets scheme and whatnot. So, I got a lot of thoughts and opinions on those things that we will share. And, you know, if you want to engage, you got anything you want to hear about in the podcast, you got questions, anything like that, feel free to talk on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. That is at Jets underscore Dan. And that's all I got for this podcast. So, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for bearing with me as I use this uh, rinky-dink half equipment operation. Thank you for enjoying the honeyed one beer with me. And until next time, I'm Dan Burnham, and this is the Jet Life. (coughs)